DJs and edit masters mash together to unrelated musical works. Put a sick bass beat under some dank rhymes and avoid being sued by invoking the holy name of Bismarcky. Because it's time to mash up Tull to me. Did you ever want to be a DJ, Nick? Not once. No, maybe a wedding DJ. <laughs> Welcome back. I am Omen Sade. And I am Nick McGill. Together we are Factless Moms. And this, my friends, is Talk Tall to Me. A midnight foraging dumpster dive into the digital wasteland of prog rock in which DJ McGill and MC Omega mix, remix, spin, and scratch over every single track that seminal prog rock band Jethro Tull has ever produced. Our chrome space helmets aglow, our anonymity gleaming, we will mix the Martin Barr beats, garble the Gideon gain, and drop the D. Palmer mic. All with the hope that party girl Ian Anderson will throw his hands up in the air like he just don't care. It's the ultimate goal. Can I, can I offer two, two edits? Can I change our names, our, our DJ names? Oh, please, yeah. So I think you should be DJ O Man, DJ oh, okay. O, and I would be MC Magoo, obviously. Oh, MC Magoo, I like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll fix it in post. I would also go by DJ Otterboy. Okay, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. DJ Eyeliner. That's interesting. That's interesting. <laughs> or just DJ Cheekbones. <laughs> I, I, if that, if that's not already taken, that that may be taken. DJ Spartan. DJ Six Hour Spartan. (laughs) (sighs) They don't call me Six Hour Sade for nothing. (laughs) Not sure why, but they they do call me that. (laughs) There must be a reason. Uh, Nick, hello. Hey, Owen, how are you? Hey, I'm doing okay. Good. It's nice to join you again for another fantastic episode of Talk Tall Mm -hmm. to Me. We haven't recorded it yet, but we can assure you it is fantastic. Today, we don't have any business in particular uh, ahead of the the song itself. And uh, however, I do want to mention that I know we've promised this before, but this is, in fact, the final <laughs> bonus track. Bonus track off of Heavy Horses. I didn't even remember what album we had just <laughs> finished. It's like when you it's like when you go and see a film in the cinema and there are so many previews. That by the time oh, yeah. they're finished, you're like, what is the movie that I bought a ticket for? I am excited to find out. <laughs> Why am I here? But in reverse. Yes. Yeah. We we finished it. It's like finishing a book and you're like, what? What just happened? What what did I read? <laughs> what what happened at the end of this? It's like waking up after years of suffering from temporal fugue and think, Why am I in Albuquerque? <laughs> Where can I go to vote for Carter? So, Nick, <laughs> what is the song about which we have the distinct pleasure of talking tall about? Goodness me. Today? Goodness me. This episode is brought to you by Old Aces Die Hard, a pretty rockin' tune. So, 
without any further fluff and preamble, we got a long one in front of us. It's eight and a half minutes. Let's uh, let's all right. Let's dive into that beastie. Let's see if we can keep ourselves fluffed through that entire listen. I've been I've been working on my stamina. I've <laughs> I've been fluffing myself all day. <laughs> I'm chafed. Let's let's have a listen. <laughs> Nick. Oh, oh my goodness. Omen. Old Aces Die Hard. That song was so long we needed a, a pee break cap in hand. <laughs> we, <laughs> we did. So a look behind the microphone here. You, you listened to this ahead of time because it's such a meaty song, but you did hear it for the first time today, just not just now. That's true. I did a, I did a kind of a preview of it. I just threw it on so that I wasn't totally unfamiliar with it. But this was my first time really sitting down and focusing on it, listening to it dedicatedly. And holy (laughs) bananas. Yeah. It's such a good song. I really do like this one a lot. It's been a minute since we've had a longer song like this. You know, a a real composed, yeah. you know, structured song of this nature. It's kind of an epic kind of an epic experience in terms of music and, and content it's it's there's a lot going on here did you say both in form and in content yeah 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 yeah, yeah i i agree it goes through a couple of different phases and mm-hmm. and i love hearing the really gorgeous baroque oh, style gosh. acoustic guitar which i believe is in starting us out yeah paired with the flute pretty soon after that i think it's two acoustics and two flutes oh really if i heard correct i think so yeah yeah there's there's a lot going on in that very simple sounding opener but god is it gorgeous well i know that that's one of your favorite tall sounds and it it definitely is one of mine as well it's and it it's that kind of you know to my ears very roy harper almost nick Mm -hmm. drake inspired Mm -hmm style of guitar playing sure. that I love. I, I, I think it reveals a, a sense of, I, I feel like it gives us a little window into Ian's soul, which is not something we get a little bit glimpse, a lot of glimpses into. Yeah. There's a lullaby fairy tale aspect to it that is, I, I mean, I, I will, I will put that up there with these strings in terms of the sounds that, that Tull mm. consistently efficiently effectively produces that makes me melt it's that that sound is just so good and it's so unique you know as many as many guitar players as there are in the world this is something that i i just think is really special and i i just i love hearing the sound it's so cool and it's so cool to hear it in this context in this new way yeah as the opener to something that gets that gets pretty raucous you know it does it does that opener if we had just if we had just kept that that really lovely, the the acoustic, the flute that lasts for about a minute forty five, and yeah. that that could very well have just been let let's just pluck that out and drop that in Aqualung in terms of those really short little acoustic pieces that that we used to get from Ian. So this is what's funny about this song. This to me, this song is like kind of 
an amalgam. Oh, oh my gosh, an amalgam. Is it? Yeah. An amalgam of all of these different sounds and styles and content. Yeah. Into this one thing. It's like it's like somebody dropped a penny into the tall multiverse and it's sort of rolled <laughs> through a bunch of different albums yeah. picking up stuff along the way. And somehow ended up as a full standalone piece. It's so cool. I, I know this is dropping just after Halloween, but it's a Frankenstein's monster of of tall music. <laughs> oh, I like that. But with a but with a functioning brain. Yes. Yeah. All parts are Ian Anderson, but still, it's still a Frankenstein's it's an, monster. It's an into the spider verse. Yeah. I'll take that. Of Jethro Tull. I'll take it. They all they all co- co- converge on one point. Yeah. I'm good with that. To do to yeah, to with a mission. To save the world. Or the multiverse, yeah. The malt the, the multi the Tulliverse. <laughs> the Tulliverse. Oh my gosh. We're getting deep. We're getting deep now. <laughs> so so we do have that minute and forty-five of of beautiful acoustic. Then yes. at about one forty-five, the electric guitar comes in, the bass, the drums, and the keyboard. The grass grows still through the concrete. That's right after unfinished flyovers. Yes. Yeah. Crack in the winter. Mm-hmm. Right. And I believe it's, I believe the first thing we hear is the bass maybe paired with the drums and then everything follows after that. But I love that. I love that drop because he really sets us up with that gorgeous acoustic. Yeah. So that when we do have the the, the heavier instruments come in, it's, I, I'm not going to lie, Nick. I would never lie to Don't you. Don't lie to me. About something like this. I got goosebumps. Oh, the goose, the bump of the goose. Yeah. If- the bump Oh, the goose <laughs> at several points during the song. And that was one of them. When the drop comes in, I was just like, Whoa. yeah. Yeah. If I wasn't looking at the wave file and saw that it, it ballooned at 145, I mm. would, I would expect this to be like on par with like pan dance or something where it stays kind of really nice and flowy the whole way. But that drop is great. I do. I yeah. do love the, the, the varying textures and, can we talk about Martin for just a moment? Oh, please let's do. <laughs> oh my gosh. He's he's so fun in this. Everybody, it feels like everybody the ensemble of the th- this piece. Everybody is is really kind of all all on the same road, all working to toward toward one goal. Whereas when you get Martin in these pieces, he is just going off road. He is weaving left and right. He is the <laughs> He is the flavorful, normally we would attribute this to the flute where Ian is is floaty and kind of all over the place. And every now and then he'll dip his toe into the melody, but but it's really kind of an accent. But Martin takes accent on here and it's really cool. That's such a really, a, good that's sound. A really cool observation. I, I had not picked that out. I was, I was so distracted by hearing all these kind of musical references almost. And I don't, mm. I assume they must be intentional because everything with Tull is so intentional. Yeah, but particularly with this song, everything is referential. There's yeah. a there's a wonderful part where the organ and guitar create a sound mm. that is exactly like the sound from Peabroke. Oh yeah, that's is, is that a there's like a breakdown at about three oh five where they kind of talk back and forth with one another.
Yes, it's after that. Yeah. It's it's toward okay. the end of that. Yeah, it's the next step of that that breakdown. Well, and the breakdown itself, what you're referencing, this this kind of trading off of of phrases between it sounds to me like the organ and the synth and the flute are all kind of badmintoning the these yeah. phrases back and forth between each other. And it's so exciting. Yeah, it's John Evan has surgically implanted four more pairs of hands to to play this song he's he's clearly octopusing this and he's doing a bang up job <laughs> he is i also think it could well be d it could you oh, know I, yeah they the two of them could be forming a quadipus yeah that, an that and also also just chop an octopus in half and you have two quadrupedes uh quadrupodes <laughs> rather excuse me oh yeah um, i was gonna i was but, gonna say nick thank yeah i know i'm sorry you pedant but i think also the there there could just be layering of tracks as we could see with with all of these with all all of the the various acoustics and all of the, the guitars and the multiple flutes you know there's no reason they were all playing it at once so it could have been john but i do know that that d has been featured on on keys at varying times in this era certainly whatever era yeah. this might be and that's yeah. you know that's something that lest we get into trouble we maybe I, I I mean it's hard to say exactly when this was recorded. Maybe someone out there has the information. We could look for it, but we won't. It's it is surprisingly difficult to find online for what it's worth. Well, and that's the thing. You know, a lot of the inf- a lot of the information about these bonus tracks are 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 included in the the physical media that you would get when you buy the thirtieth or the fortieth year edition of of things. Uh-huh. And then those aren't those aren't as you say those aren't posted online and we being digital tall appreciators yeah uh, we have we're at a loss with some of those physical artifacts the ephemera it, if you will. Do you know what's easier than looking it up? No. Wait what? it's waiting waiting for Doc Savage to yell at us in a that's, week. <laughs> and that's, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> <laughs> so so kind of structure wise we have this gorgeous intro mm-hmm. we have the sung first couple of verses we have the band yep. smashing in with you know in the kind of the second verse if you will then we have this incredible breakdown and then it goes mm-hmm. back to the band and it goes into that gorgeous sweep too and the blue dawn yeah, it slows down again and gets really right. gorgeous at about 450. It's a little bit more contemplative. Yeah, that sound is very thick as a brick to me. Yes, uh, yes it is. And the blue dawn. The poet and the painter on top of the hill, that's the imagery that I got there. Definitely. And then toward the end, we go back to the more acoustic side <laughs> of things. And, you know, there's really, there's sort of this sense of like setting the stage, creating this big cataclysm, going into the, this, you know, the spiritual afterlife and then coming back to the present moment. I mean, this is really, I think you said when we were talking to the gentleman at Vernacular Verbose, you described Ian as a bard. Yeah. And this yeah. is, I mean, he is really fulfilling that role in this song. He is taking us on a journey and I forgot my handkerchief. <laughs> oh, my nose is running again. This feels like 
the song you hear at the end of the musical that is pulling all of the references of everything that has happened up until this point. Oh, the Megamix. Yeah, it's so presentational that it's and it's it's referential that it it's there's like some tongue in cheek, there's some winks here and there, but ultimately it's telling you that all of these pieces have come come together to tell you this story. It's almost a a, a microcosm. It's like it's like if you decided to make a concept album, but you only were gonna do it, you were gonna compress it into eight minutes. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, a, it's, it's a concept yeah. song, which I know, like in theory, every song is a concept song. Yeah, but it's it's like the seed that you would plant to to germinate a thick as a brick. It's you like know? oh, it's, you're saying you're saying it's like when the last prog musician finally dies, and uh-huh. all of the prog albums have been destroyed in the the great fire of Alexandria. Yeah, this is the song that is engraved on a sacred crystal which is yep. given to a young hero and taken to the ancient monument. And this is the seed from which all prog rock re, repopulates the earth. Yeah. And it, it turns out he is he ends up being the first new prog musician by the right. end of the journey. Yeah. Right. He huh. plays the the hyper trumpet. Just a bo- just a boy in his claghorn. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> he pulls the claghorn from the stone. That's it, yeah. Shows that he's <laughs> from, pure of heart. <laughs> from Ian's cold dead hands. <laughs> <laughs> we get uh, Hard Electric comes back in at just before six minutes. When the dreams in his head were the stones In his bed and the shouts of the sun is a fall which has some cowbell. Guess what? I got a fever, and the only prescription is more cowbell. And put that same up. And then at around seven minutes, we get this really nice, just single instance. I didn't. I don't think I heard it anywhere before or after. At about seven minutes, we get a little tinkly xylophone marimba action. Oh yeah, absolutely. And that's really it. And then it, it wraps up in in a minute and a half after that, you know? There's a lot of really, really delicious kind of textural proggy stuff going on in this song. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, the 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 kind of syncopated and and off time signature throwing mm-hmm. back and forth of those phrases with the, that we talked about with keys and the and the flute. I do think that at some points this song is in either 3-4 or maybe 6-8. At some points, it seems like it's in 2-2 or 4-4. I'm sure there's some extra measures thrown in there at various points and some extra beats here and there. Yeah. And it really gives it really gives it that, like, you know, can't-quite-catch-your-breath exciting quality to it that we, that we love. Yeah, ev- even in the transitions, even going into those slower pieces, you're finally catching your breath. But by the time you're like, okay, I can hit, oh my God. And then he jumps into the, the electric again. You know, it's, this is such a good, this is such a good meaty tall piece. It, that, it really that, is. That, my God, why is it not on, on some album? And I'm sure there's a reason for it, but, well, but gosh darn it, it's nice. It's peculiar. Do you want to jump into the lyrics? Yeah, I think so. I just want to I just want to pose a, a theoretical to you. Imagine if we had strings in here. There are no strings. Just imagine how much how much that would add or do you think it would get too muddy? 
You know, Nick, shall I tell you an old Chinese tale? I, I, I wish you would. It's been a while since we've had an old Chinese tale. Old Chinese <laughs> story time with, with Omen, with Uncle Omen. I had some old Chinese tale in college, and uh, let me tell you. <laughs> oh, boy. No, I still, still haven't recovered from the indigestion. <laughs> I heard a story once. I don't know where it came from or even if I'm telling it right, but the, the story was there was this rich, extremely wealthy... Chinese businessman or, or almost kind of oligarch, you know, somebody who had achieved this incredible power in ancient China. Sure. And he said, you know, I want some art up in here. I'm going to commission an artist to, to paint me the most exquisite mural, the most perfect mural. It'll be the envy of all of my you know, associates. Yeah. And so, so we hired this master artist, this master painter. And he said, I want you to, to, paint this incredible landscape with a huge dragon. I want this to be the best dragon that's ever been painted. And the artist was like, all right. And so for months, the painter worked and he created this stunning thing, more incredible than anyone has ever seen, you know, at the peak of his skill. And he finished the dragon, but he only painted one of the eyes. Hmm. And he said to the, he said to his patron, he was like, I'm done. And the patron was like, what do you mean you're done? This dragon only has one eye. Like he, you haven't finished this one part of it. Why would you do that? And and the the painter was like, "Oh, no, I'm I'm finished. I'm not going to do it anymore." <laughs> and the guy was like, "That's insane. You know, you have to do it. I'll kill you if you don't paint the eye." And he was like, "Well, I warned you. I warned you against this. One should never create a perfect work of art." And so he took out his brush and he painted the final eye, and the dragon came to life and ate up the businessman and flew away into the sky. The moral, you really, like, you wasted enough of my time. The moral of the story is you should never create a perfect work of art. Oh, so you're saying the the strings were the final eye. Of the dragon, yes. Gotcha. And this has been Story Time with <laughs> Uncle Omen, where every story is both inaccurate and apocryphal. Now, go the fuck to sleep. <laughs> so there's a lot going on. Content-wise, contextually, this is this is a lasagna made with Nona's ragu, and boy, there are so many flavors here. Let's talk overarching before yeah, we even get stretch, into yeah. citing citing pieces. This, I think, it seems a little silly to say this, but I think the best way to describe this is it is the sequel to Living in These Hard Times as Wondering Again is the sequel to Wondering Aloud. Ooh, that's really an interesting comparison, but I think it's not entirely accurate because it's not just a sequel. This song combines elements of yeah, living in these hard times with the song with elements from the song Dark Ages. Mhm. And and I mean I kind of want to say like there's a little Jack in the Green reference talking about the grass growing through the pavement, but it's not a direct lyrical copy and paste like we have with dark ages and uh and living in these hard times you know i mean if we're going to that level we could we could pull out mother superior which kind of harkens I back know, to I know, the, right. the the aqualung days or the football crowds which harkens back to but where the hell is biggles and you know mm-hmm. and where all the yeah. sportsmen who always pulled you through i mean there's there's a lot of thematic things in here i mean even yeah. some of the structure of it does kind of remind me of 
a passion play or sure uh, sure the other one thick as a brick <laughs> thick as a brick thank you <laughs> a thick passion oh oh goodness yeah i mean i suppose i suppose you're right it just feels like it just feels like it it took the he took the structure that was established in living in these hard times and built upon it with these other pieces That's as true. opposed to, you know, cause it's, it is the bulk. I would say the bulk of this context is, is coming from living in these hard times, but you, you're absolutely right. He is pulling all of these, these past ideas that we've seen and, and they may be disparate and, and, and long forgotten, but they, they're ideas that Ian always comes back to. So whether that it was intentional or not, I mean, they are, he's really, he's really hitting the, the tall thesis here. But let me disagree with you and say that you are right because it is <laughs> in a sense, a, it is in a sense, an extrapolation of the themes of living in these hard times to their, to their mythic Yes, right. Yeah. To an an, an apocalyptic end to a a darker, you know, living in these hard times is, is kind of like a a ho-hum everyday life kind of thing. Whereas things are getting bad, but we'll carry on. Yeah. This is like post-apocalyptic. This feels like 1984 to me almost, or like the jungle, you know? This is the whole gamut. This is things are getting bad. The past used to be good. Oh my gosh, everything is being destroyed. And now, like... The end of the story of Ragnarok, here is the seed that begins the new world. And here yeah. are all the, the golden chess pieces of the gods lying around. I mean, it's really. And then we're all the way back to where we started. That It's really like he's describing the life cycle of, of a, a universe here. Yeah, right, right. Stor- stories are cyclical. Lives are cyclical. Universes are. It is. This is a, a beefcake of a song. My goodness. It is sick and cyclical. <laughs> So we've got we've got themes of more of, of what we've seen a lot of lately. We've got the industrialism, capitalism gone to the extreme. We've got the feeling of the climate change gone to the extreme. Honestly, I, I had this as a Stormwatch bonus track just because of how dark it was. Well, yes, I yeah. But because it is it is that base of living in these hard times, that's why I transferred it over to Heavy Horses. But sure. So Yes, I, I I agree. You know, we start out with the kind of living in these hard times scenery, but then it takes us into the introduction of the new dark ages. Yeah. You know, yeah, where yeah. we start with society on the precipice and then we go over the precipice. Right. But the thing that is so amazing about this song is that it's not just a kind of mashup and and mega mix of all these other themes and references, there's something that exists uniquely in this song, mm-hmm. which is the concept of though the packs stacked with jokers, old aces die hard. I mean, that's where I got the goosebumps. Well, it's so hard. Let me correct you here. It's let's go back a couple of lines. It's you really got to take that whole whole stanza because it's not though it's through. Dark ages spilling no secrets from the old house of cards that stand immune as the great disease rages through the pack stacked with jokers. Old aces die hard. Dark ages spilling no secrets from the old house of cards that stand immune as the 
What is that? What is that telling us? So uh, well, House of Cards is a, is a phrase meaning something that is really precipitous, something that all it takes is one thing to send it falling apart. You know, it's it's it is, think of a House of Cards. All you need is a gust or to 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 lose a single strut on the bottom and your whole thing falls apart. Yes. So, Nick, for me, uh, the the reference to cards, yes, as you said, a house of cards represents something that is easily knocked over, something that is built on an unstable foundation. However, a deck of cards has structure. It's like a society. Mm -hmm. There are people at the top, there are people at the bottom, and then there's the ace, which is a little bit outside of everything and has Mm -hmm. the most power and the lowest value. Right. Highest and lowest. Yeah. Right. And so I think that the entire phrase relates to old aces die hard. Spilling no secrets from the old house of cards. Is it that the house of cards stands immune? Or is it the old aces spill no secrets and stand immune as the disease rages through the pack stacked with jokers? I know it's... It's difficult. You have to be tricky with the Anderson's grammar because he uses the English language effectively. Yeah, very, very effectively. Spilling no secrets from the old house of cards. So the secrets could stand immune. The dark ages could stand immune. The house of cards could stand immune. As the great, and what is the great disease? Well, you know what this reminds me of? And I, I think that this is a quote that we have perhaps referenced before on the podcast. Okay. Probably, I don't remember. Yeah, I mean, at this point, especially for a song like this, because we are seeing so much repetition, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it's something that we've covered. But it reminds me of the William Butler Yeats poem, The Second Coming. Turning and turning in the widening gyre, the falcon cannot hear the falconer. Things fall apart, the center cannot hold. Mere anarchy is loosed upon the world. The blood-dimmed tide is loosed and everywhere the ceremony of innocence is drowned. The best lack all conviction while the worst are full of passionate intensity. I know I've read this, read that on this podcast yeah, before. I haven't gotten to it in my re-listen yet. Right. So it must be, let's see, I think I'm, I'm just about to start Thick as a Brick. So it's post-Thick as a I, it's Brick. It's probably in there. Yeah, that's my thought. But anyway, the, the idea of, you know, things fall apart, the center cannot hold is sort of this, this the moment of, of the world that we find ourselves in. Yeah. And well, you know, and the, the worst full of passionate intensity are sort of the jokers. And maybe that's even the great disease. The great mm. disease is that society is eating itself up. Yeah, right, right. But old aces die hard, that there's some something so hardy from the old world that it cannot be destroyed fully. Or... They it with difficulty. Right, right. Yeah. I have I have an idea and I'm not sure it really fits overall, but I, I just I just got this imagery as I was trying to decode these these darn lyrics. Yes. Is this saying that people born into privilege are always going to be in power? The wealthy will always be wealthy. They're born with a silver spoon, a leg up, an ace up their sleeve. And being a, a pleb or a, a member of the Hoi Polloi, we can never beat them at that game. So, and 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 it's it comes from from forever ago. It's always been happening as long as there has been a, a semblance of wealth. That's where the the Dark Ages comes from. I 
I see that. I see how you get that, and I think that you're wrong. <laughs> I, I'm totally fine with that. I'm totally no, fine with that. I, I, I get. I understand that kind of that approach, but for me, it feels like something a little bit different. It feels to me like the old ace. Oh, and here's why I think that, because we have referenced the last words of prime ministers drop like the pin breaking the silence left by their cold feet. The last words of prime ministers drop like the pin breaking silence left by their cold feet. So it's like the prime ministers are dying. Right, right. The the ruling classes are dying off. Mm-hmm. The world is is running to havoc. So I don't get the sense that, you know, this is a song about the wealthy gonna, who are going to be all right in their in their ivory tower. Okay. I think this is about, you know, when it's all said and done, you've still got the the really tough people wandering the wasteland. Yeah. Because they're just too stubborn to die. <laughs> right. I mean, I, I, I get the feeling of that old house of cards that stands immune. That that was the thought of the wealth mm. perpetuating itself, yes. but but I I like yours I like yours too and better I think. Well, and if we go a little bit further forward, yeah, I think it's just I just find it very difficult to pin a a substantial like one sentence thesis on this song. I feel like because we've got a lot of those ideas that it's like there's it's kind of hitting at all these different things, and I'm trying. My mind is is trying to get to that point, but I, I just can't. I think it's the Ragnarok story. I think it's, you know, the world is is not right. Here uh-huh. are all the disastrous things that are happening. Here are all the ways that the world will be destroyed. Here are the, the last heroes. Mm-hmm. And one of their final acts is to plant their last seed on the withering land to grow in the dust of yesterday's wages. Plant the last seed. You know, and yeah. and that then we have that big breakdown, and then when we come out of it, it's ten thousand years away, and the <sighs> seeds that were sown have grown into these you know young men who are who it seems like they're naive that they're naive that they have no idea how they even got there. Yeah, they can't recall, can't recall. And the blue dawn cracks on the morn. Of another day, ten thousand years away, and the seeds that were sown into young men have grown. Fathers to the youngest child to play. The campfire as the night that he can't quite recall. He can't quite recall. And what what it comes back to at the end is put that same old kettle on and sing that same old pagan song. And put that same old kettle on and sing. It's sort of, that's what 
when humanity and when life has woken back up, that's what has remained. And I think that that's what the old aces are about. It's sort of the people, yeah. it's almost like, um, oh my gosh, this is like, it's literally every single Tull song rolled into one. <laughs> it's, it's like the old hands quicken from heavy horses. Oh, sure. Yeah. You know, those are the old aces. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The ones who are going to survive because they retain the, the horse knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. And I think just after that stanza that you quoted, the two dark ages, that really, really hammers it home now that you put it that way. Dark ages, history's karma is rattling its chains. These are these two lines are, are amazing. I love it. Oh my God, they're so good. History's karma is rattling its chains and dark ages, civilization's menstrual pains. Dark ages, history's karma is rattling its chains. You're absolutely right. Well, and what are both of those images? Karma is the idea that your actions have consequences. <laughs> you get what you deserve eventually. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, and there's sort of two ways of, of looking at, at karma. One is that, sure. you know, there's some kind of spiritual repository of good and bad acts that comes yeah. back to roost on you. And some of it is like, if you're an asshole to people, eventually someone's going to be an asshole to you. Sure. Right. Right. The, the seeds that you sow have real consequences. Mm-hmm. So it's that sense of, you know, something coming back. And also, you know, menstrual pains, menstruation is the womb renewing itself. Yeah. Even though it's, you know, it can be an unpleasant process for the person experiencing it. Right. Yeah. So history's karma is rattling its chains is, is the thesis up until this point is that circle coming around the bend and life needing to start over, life ending. And then civilization's menstrual pains is is people 10,000 years later starting to crawl out of their caves again. It's almost, you know, the the womb of the world is shedding itself. Oh yeah. in order to be reborn and and you know because those those cells are now useless. They are doing no good. So right. you get rid of them. Yeah. And ooh. Oh, I like this song exponentially more now. It's so exciting. It's literally so much fun. What do you make of when the dreams in his head were the stones in his bed and the shouts of the sun as it falls and the women wake and they laugh as they shake their frosty sleep from their hair? When the dreams in his head were the stones in his bed and the shouts of the sun as it falls and the women wake and they laugh as they shake the frosty sleep from their hair yeah, this is this feels was it uh, Space Odyssey two thousand one Space Odyssey where they have the the chimps and the bones and the the big <laughs> the big tablet I forget what it's called. This feels very like cavemanny to me, you know. When the dreams in his head were the stones in his bed, so those dreams were uncomfortable while sleeping. But then he wakes up. But then he wakes up and he shouts of the sun as it falls that's that's uh oh. that's exultation that is is greeting the sun that's welcoming you you are here to warm us you are here to provide light and and energy and the women wake up it's it's hand in hand the women wake up and they laugh as they shake their frosty sleep from their hair that implies there is no heat source aside from the sun so you bet your ass they're happy to see the sun uh, but it says of the sun as it falls oh my gosh you're right 
It's so, uh, just when you uh, think you've got it figured I know, out. No, I thought I had twist. it. Yeah. And shouts of this. Oh, so maybe they're upset that the sun is going down. I don't know. So those those two lines, the men waking up with the stones and shouting at the sun and the women waking up could be two separate times. I always shout at the sun whenever I see it. My neighbors have Every asked, time. asked me to stop. But, yeah. you know, freedom of religion, Nick. Yeah, that's right. That solar centric anger is is really I mean, it's what's gotten you this far in the world. And, and <laughs> damned if you're going to stop now. <laughs> I love I love that the reference to the kettle. Mm. It's like, oh. We've survived the apocalypse and the rebirth of the wa- of the world. I suppose we'll have a cup of tea. Yeah, right. Every I mean, everybody's got to boil water for something. It is it is the the most basic form of cooking. You know, mm. you get everything from there. So, is the implication that throughout the various dark ages of history, there have been the old aces uh-huh. who, because of their sheer will to live have ensured that civilization can be reborn when it is its time? That that they were they were, for lack of a better term, they were the cockroaches that survived and and were then able to propagate again? I th- I think Possibly. so. I think so. Yeah. Have you read that book? Um I haven't read it, but I've heard of it. How the Irish Saved Civilization? No, no. It's about the Irish monks during the Dark Ages, uh-huh. who were on these remote, remote, remote little islands who copied texts, Latin and Greek texts, and they are the literal reason, while libraries and other places were being destroyed and knowledge was being lost all over the world. Right. It's literally like this handful of monks is the reason that we have some of these really ancient texts because yeah. they were just on their rocky island copying it from one book to another doing their thing yeah there's there's always oh oh, give it to me the seed vault it's at sforbogol yeah i honestly i thought you were mentioning that early on in the intro when you were talking about planting the seed when all the prog rock songs disappeared I thought you were going to say, like, right. we, we saved the prog in, in a seed vault. That's where I thought you were going there. This but song yeah. is in that seed vault. Yeah. Yeah, the seed vault, the apple trees at Cornell. Sure. Even there are arboreta all across the, the country that have, like, the only version of a plant somewhere, you know? There are so many examples of human beings preserving something that is fundamental to life, whether it's language whether it's yeah, rare yeah, yeah, yeast yeah. cultures, whether it's the knowledge of how to farm with some technique that's sustainable and doesn't rely on fossil fuels or, right, or right. you know, I- intensive methods. And ultimately, that's what is that's what gets us through the big cataclysms that we experience in existence. So if we weren't by nature hoarders, we would not have survived. And... I mean, granted, hoarding has been taken to the extreme and in some level, certainly in in culture today. But I mean, there's a reason there's a reason we like salt and fat and sweet lizard brain. Right. There's a reason we try to save everything and get something out of it. Lizard brain. It all comes back to that. Say lizard brain one more time. Lizard brain. (laughs) (laughs) But I think there's a difference between you know, the prepper movement 
who's mm. like, well, we're just going to have all the bullets and all the M, all the meals, the ready to eat meals in our bunker. Yeah. And like, you know, we'll be safe here. Yeah. There's a difference between that and the people who are like, I know how to grow a tomato in this special way. <laughs> like, yeah. one, yes. of, yeah. one yeah. of those is like, I'm going to hoard all of the resources that I can. Because I don't have any viable skills to to stay alive aside from shooting things. Right. And one yeah. and the other is like, I remember how to brush a horse. <laughs> and I tell you which one of them I would prefer either any day. Grandpa, what's a horse? I'll show you. Is there is there anything? No, there's not. There's nothing. Th- not. Don't even try. Is there anything of your father that you see? How is your father an old ace? Oh, my gosh. I mean, you know, he's he's he has survived just in so many extraordinary ways. You know, he's he's had like five different careers. He's lived in so many different places. He's uh, had various health problems that he's recovered from and and come out the other side healthy. Mm-hmm. He's survived divorce he survived the death of his his second wife i mean and he just keeps going he, he just keeps going stalwart and stoic and yeah. yeah he just he a rolling stone was a rolling stone gathers no moss and d sade has been rolling at the slowest of paces for the last <laughs> 90 years he rolls just fast just slow enough to still get boss yeah he he but he's he's he just goes he goes and he's one of those people who retains and sees value in ancient knowledge sure right yeah exactly i mean the man makes his own guitars i know it's really absurd yeah he's a, a, a luthier he's a luthier yeah yeah so you know, I feel like I'm lucky to have that example. And I in, yeah. and I try to, I, I think that all of us can find our own way of preserving, of being life preservers. Yeah. I am inflatable. It's true. You just have to find where to blow. Yeah, I was going to say, you have to insert the pump in a very specific spot. <laughs> it's a party trick. It's <laughs> gotten you kicked out of many a bar. <laughs> Oh, wow. Any final notes on the thesis that is old aces die hard, Omen? I want it as a tattoo. I want like... The full script? (laughs) I want want the groove pattern of the record blown up. Oh, nice. Cool. And written uh, on my body. Yeah. That's... I would would consider... I would consider an old aces die hard tattoo of some kind. Who's who? Uh, who so. would be a famous old ace, quote unquote, from oh, literature? Gosh. Oh, from literature or from films? Prospero. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Gandalf, were you going to say? Yeah, I was going to say Gandalf. Yep. That guy from Die Hard. Bruce Willis. Yes. <laughs> Why? Oh, die. Old ace. Yeah. Okay. It's called, it's called Die okay. Hard. Old, old aces colon Die Hard. Right. Or Die Hard, comma, no. Old Aces. Die Hard, parentheses, Old Aces. Right. Yeah, I think I think any, like... Judy Dench. Character actor, Judy Dench. I would say John Malkovich is probably an Old Ace. Mm. Yeah, any one of the, the that really... Maggie Smith, that, those people that you just you just watch on screen and they are just... Betty White. Betty White. 
The incomparable. Snoop Dogg. Ladies and gentlemen, the incomparable Betty White. Yeah. <laughs> Nick. Omen. Anything else that we are going to say about this song right now? I don't think so. Before we think about it for the rest of our lives. I don't think so. Just, just the, there are there are direct lyric references. It's, it's not just references. There are direct lines picked up from from living in these hard times. The basically the first two lines, and then there's maybe one other. The bones in the china. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or the bombs in the china, depending. The fats in the fire. There's no turkey left on the table. I mean that. Yeah, that whole last. Those last bits. Yeah, and then the, all the way down to the stable as well. Yeah. So the two cup, the opening couplet, and then basically the closing couplet actually uh, are mm. are direct line references. Yeah. So next week, Omen. Yes. Do you know? Do you know the first song off of Stormwatch? <sighs> off the top of your head? I don't even remember it. I gotta look. Oh my gosh, yes. Something's on the move? No, no, no. That's the first off of side B, actually. So I'll give you I'll give you partial credit. Oh, okay. What is what's the first off of side A? Uh, it's North Sea Oil. Oh, North Sea oil. Yeah, back to the North Sea we go. Remind me to tell you something about the North Sea oil and how it relates to my family by marriage. Very cool. Okay, I will write that note. And I just want to defend myself very quickly. Last week, I was a a dummy and mentioned dinosaur bones from the Isle of Wight, not the Isle of Skye. (laughs) But Tull performed a concert on the Isle of Wight and they have a live... They have a live album and DVD of that. So I want partial credit. That's all I'm yeah. asking for. Okay. Uh, great. I'm glad that you brought that <laughs> back up when it was necessary to do so. I needed to, def- to defend myself. Until next week, you don't have to have an ace up your sleeve to survive the app pod collapse. <laughs> oh, that was good. All you need is five stars, which you can... Submit to us as as the fun the form of a review and a rating, <laughs> and that will help us sow the seeds of the next listener. The, whoo. Don't worry about history's karma. Just focus on your karma. It's rattling its chains, and you will get good karma in return when you go to our Patreon page. And I feel like it's been a while since we've bragged about what you can get through our Patreon. And that's two extra episodes a month. One is outtakes and one is correspondencies with writer inners. We deep dive. It's access to our our Discord server where there is oh, a yes. lot of amazing content and chat there. And what was the last one? Oh, and access to our live listening parties. We just had one, I think, a week ago. We had our first live listening party about a week ago, and it was a massive success. It was lovely to meet the other Tall Skulls, and people came in from all over the world, and we enjoyed a live album together, and it was really great. And we have people champing at the bit for another one. So we may be scheduling that soon. Hopefully you also become a patron at patreon.com slash talk to me. You will wake up laughing every morning and shake the frost from your hair 
when you realize that you have access to all of the Feckless Moments content. And merch. Don't forget merch. We got merch. Go to the link in the notes. Until next week, I am the old pagan song, Nick McGill. I am the chirping kettle that is Omen Sade. We are the bale of straw for the stable, the feckless moans. And this is the seed from which all of civilization will be reborn. Talk tall to me. Oi. Oi. Who are you? Um, what do you want? Hey, uh, yeah, I was just wondering if I could join your society because there's just like um, a lot of uh, doom and death out here. So I was wondering if I could like come in. Uh, we don't let anybody in for free. So you got to you got to work for your food and your, your shelter. What can you bring to this community? Well, I've got skills. I know all of the best Instagram angles. Watch this. Look at this. Oh. And then turn the hip like this. Oh my God! Look how look how good you look. I'm like, oh my God! Seriously. That's not a phone. It's a block of wood. Ah! <laughs> Useless. Um, hello. Yes, I was wondering if I could join your society because people are literally eating each other out here. <laughs> you do look delicious. Maybe we'll eat you. What what can you provide us in this community? I can describe the taste of every single kind of old brandy. And I have exquisite taste in interior yacht design. I don't see any yachts or brandy anywhere around here. This I have $10,000 in old American cash. Let me in, goddammit. We have plenty of kindling. Get out of here. Oh, my money. Oh, I hate this job, but it's all I can do. <clears throat> Excuse me, um, wondering if you need another pair of hands around here. Maybe. What can you do? <laughs> I've got some ancient wisdom that has probably been forgotten by every other being on this godforsaken planet. What does it pertain to? We've got a lot of smart people, but there's not much to go around in terms of, uh, Technology. Listen, uh, bend your ear close to me, young man, and let me tell you. What is it? Talk Tull to me is a proud member of the Feckless Moons Audio Network. Oh, dear God. I, I don't think I should be hearing this. You, you need to come in here right away. I could take a really good selfie of you if you weren't impaled by that steak. Mmm. <laughs> My spleen!